Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 255, Figueredo versus Alex Perez. It's actually a fun fight card top to bottom with the flyweights because there's another title fight between Valentina Shevchenko and Jennifer Maya. Of course, you guys know we're not going to be breaking down that fight on the prelim primer because we are all focused on the prelim portion of the card here. Now, for those of you who are new to the show and might be wondering to yourself, why just the prelims? Why not break down the main card? Because there's there's two title fights on this one and some other really exciting fights. And the answer is quite simple. We know you know about those guys in the, the main event and the co-main event. We also know you know about Shogun Hua. You know, like th- these guys are, are household names. But we know you probably don't know some of the names on this prelim card. They're, they're not household names. And we're here to help you if you were planning on gambling or playing daily fantasy sports. Or, hey, maybe you just want to know a little bit more about the whole card before you go watch. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find him at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. And he's unlike all of the other companies that offer gambling advice because he's not just a list of fighters that you should be betting on each week. Instead, he does so much more than that. He's giving you, his customer, not only his picks, but an education that you can use for years to come. And he does that with in-depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox. Audio, written, all kinds of different ways. You're going to want to check it out because he's giving you all the tips and know-how so you can make informed decisions and maximize your profit for years to come. And of course, you don't just have to take my word for it. Check him out at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. That link is, of course, in the show notes. And you can follow him on Twitter, at AJMMABetting. Now, to break down this UFC 255 prelim card with me, I, of course, need a co-host. Joining me today from Cage Side Press is Joe McDonough. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome, man. Absolutely happy to be back. Um, glad you asked me to come back. I had a blast last time. I look forward to doing it again, talk some fights uh, with you. Awesome. So as you guys know, we're going to start this round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval, a fight I cannot believe is on the prelims. Moreno, 2-0-1 since returning to the UFC. After drawing with Askar Askarov, he took decision wins over Kaikara France and Jussier Formiga. Royval, meanwhile, stormed into the UFC about six months ago after by subbing Tim Elliott and Kaikara France back-to-back. So... I've talked to Roy Vall a couple of times. He keeps telling me that he's never going to wrestle. Here's my question to you. Does this descend into a grappling match whether he wants to or not? I think it does, and I think I think he'd, uh, you know, be be smart to do that. Um, you know, I think as we've seen versus Formiga and um, – sorry, not Formiga. Um, versus um, Tim Elliott and Kai Car France, you know, he had bonuses from those finishes on the ground. Um, I mean – I, I still can't believe that this guy's only been in the UFC for five months. Um, you know, he, he, like you said, he stormed onto the scene. I think it helps out that he's an LFA veteran, um, you know, a feeding ground for the UFC. You know, like I said, both finishes uh, came with bonuses. And I mean, this is, this is the night where you want to make a statement win. I think whoever wins this fight makes a huge statement for, in their case for who's next. Obviously who knows if Cody Garbrandt um, jumps back in and, and is fighting for that title again versus the winner. Um, but this is, you know, and I still can't believe that Brandon Moreno, um, you know, was cut and now since coming back, he's two Oh and one, you know, obviously he's been a title contender for a while. So this is a fight that, um, you know, I, I think that if someone makes a statement, win, 
then, you know, they make a very strong case for being the next in line, you know, on a night that's going to, you know, feature a lot of flyweight. And I agree with you that they definitely have to go out there and make a statement if they want the UFC to forget that Cody Garbrandt is also waiting in the wings. And I actually think the best way Brandon Royval could do that is the grappling, right? Like, he, flyweights notoriously don't have a lot of knockout power, you know, with the exception of, of Davison Figueredo, who's headlining the card. And Brandon Royval has got great striking, but, like, that statement win would come with submitting somebody like Brandon Moreno after submitting Kai Kara Franz and submitting Tim Elliott. And, and granted, he might not have to wrestle to do that. He might be able to sting him with the hands and force, you know, Moreno to start wrestling. If this does stay on the feet, who do you like in a, a boxing match here or a kickboxing match? So uh, that's an interesting uh, – I think I think I like Brandon Moreno, but it, like you said, Royval does have great striking, um, you know, and I think – the fact that Moreno is going to have to think about, even though he said he's not going to wrestle, the possibility of him taking it to the ground. Obviously, you know, we've seen that where it adds to the striking when you're worried about that takedown or going down and grappling. Um, so, you know, my heart and it tells me that Moreno has has the you know advantage if they are standing the whole fight. But, you know, Roy Ball is such a wild card because he has so many different things that he's great at. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We are unfortunately at the end of time talking about this fight, though, and I'm going to need your prediction. Who you got and how do you got him? Um, I think I think Moreno goes to decision. I think we have to see a decision and Brandon Moreno um, outworks uh, Roy Ball and, and gets the win here. And, and I'm actually going to differ with you this one. I'm going to take Roy Ball and I'm going to say he stops Moreno, too, with a submission. I've been overly impressed with what he's been able to do when it does hit the mat. And I would not be surprised if Moreno tries to take it there first and he's able to counter with something pretty slick. And that brings us to our second fight, which is also an absolute banger. And that's Nicholas Dalby versus Daniel Rodriguez. Dalby won and won since returning to the UFC. He won a decision over Cowboy Oliveira. Rear naked choke loss in his second fight to Jesse Ronson in kind of a weird fight. Rodriguez, meanwhile, 3-0 in the UFC. All of it has happened this year. He got a guillotine over Tim Means, a decision over Gabriel Green, and he knocked out Dwight Grant. What a run. Now, my question here is that, that Dolby's pretty crafty when it comes to getting the fight to the ground. He's got a pretty good wrestling game. He took down Cowboy Oliveira a couple of times. But my question is, is even if that is an option against Daniel Rodriguez, does he want to try that option against Daniel Rodriguez? And, and, you know, that that's something that I think is because Daniel Rodriguez has so many, you know, KO, TKO wins and so much power. We forget that, you know, he, he trains that, you know, on the side for his jujitsu at 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu with Eddie Bravo. I mean, this guy is a jujitsu master, mastermind as well. You know, and, and, you know, if we see him on the ground, I think he has just as good of a chance as winning if it does go to a grappling match that he does, you know, standing up. I think we just kind of forget about that because, you know, We've seen him knock so many people out. We've seen him do it, you know, quickly. So we kind of forget that if this goes to the ground, he has a lot of skill there too. That being said, you know, Dalby's been in the cage with Darren Till, with, with Oliveira, you know, with, with Cummings, with all these people that, you know, we hear these names. And, you know, he, he's been there with a lot of very, very skilled guys. You know, he has some great cardio. We've seen him go to decision plenty of times, you know, and that's another thing. Can Rodriguez, you know, who's finished a lot of people, can he go the full fight? if Dalby, who has a great fight IQ, can take it there. Yeah, I think that is a huge piece to this, and I'm glad you brought it up, is that Rodriguez actually looked a little tired in his last fight against Dwight Grant, and that fight didn't go that long, right? Like, that that wasn't a long fight, but because it turned into a slugfest, he, he really looked exhausted, and I think that, that kind of becomes the question, right? Like, 
Dolby is ridiculously durable. Like, ridiculously durable. So, Daniel Rodriguez has either got to get him out of there, which it seems pretty highly unlikely, or he's got to convincingly win rounds one and two, because I think when round three comes around, Dolby is going to be the fresher fighter. Dolby is still going to have zip on his, his strikes. So my question to you, I guess, now that we're out of time on this one, is do you think Dolby has enough to finish him at the end, or do you think Dolby has enough to win some of those early rounds? Well, I think the biggest thing with this is which mindset Rodriguez goes in with. You know, does he say, this guy has ridiculous cardio, I got to knock him out in the first round and kind of empty the gas tank? Or does he play it a little smarter um, and say, maybe I can't finish him, you know, he's pretty durable, Maybe I, you know, I'm a little laid back, but I still go for wins in round one and round two. I think that's huge. Also, Dolby's a plus 285 right now on the odds. I love that at plus 285. Um, I think Rodriguez has a very, very good chance to win and could very, very much knock him out in the first round. But I think the longer this fight goes, the, the higher those odds are, the much more valuable those odds are. I totally agree with you here. I'm going with Daniel Rodriguez here by knockout if we're going gun to the head pick that, that I have to get it right. But like you said, at odds around plus 280, you'd be silly not to think about Nicholas Dalby. And that's going to do it with the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is, of course, in the show notes. And as I said at the top of the show, one of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that he's not just sending you his picks every week, but he's sending you an audio breakdown that weighs the pros and cons of each matchup so that you can make that informed decision for yourself. And it doesn't stop there because he's given you all kinds of written breakdowns as well. You can find that stuff on his Twitter as well, at AJMMABetting. He, he is basically giving you a, a free college course on gambling on MMA. And let me tell you something. You're going to want to check out that free content, but you're also going to want to subscribe to him because he's giving you even more there. So check him out at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Antonina Shevchenko versus Ariane Lipsky. Shevchenko, one and two in her last three. She lost to Roxanne Modafari, followed that up with a rear naked choke victory over Lucy Pudilova, and then took a decision loss to Caitlin Chokagian most recently. Lipsky lost her first two fights in the UFC, has bounced back with two straight wins, and including a very wild knee bar over Luana Carolina in her last fight, which was just amazing. So... I guess here's a weird question. They're both coming off submission wins. Do you feel like any of this takes place in a place where either are looking for submission or are we just going to see a pretty awesome clinch fight here? I think, I think, uh, I think it's going to be more so a clinch fight, but um, I'm looking forward to it, hopefully going to the ground and, you know, seeing that grappling in play. Um, you know, Shev, the Shevchenko sisters, I believe are making history, uh, at 255 being the first sisters competing on a card together. Um, you know, obviously Shevchenko has amazing kickboxing, amazing Muay Thai. Um, you know, she's the bigger fighter. She has more size. She has more reach. Um, you know, she, she, she's gone six and zero since starting two and two. Um, you know, she's faced some tough competition, obviously Roxanne Montefiore, um, you know, has faced some of the best women in the game, you know, Lipsky, she started her career two and three. She's gone six. She went six and zero in KSW, not facing the greatest of competition, but you know, wins are wins. And, you know, she does have nine stoppage wins. So I think that 
she's going to be looking for the stoppage, but I think Shevchenko, um, you know, has, has more durability. I think she's just bigger. She has more reach. Her kicks are going to, you know, mess up the range and all of that stuff, you know. So I think we will see a clinch battle, but I think Shevchenko will just have more of the power. I definitely agree with you on that, too. And I also think that if she, for some reason, is getting outworked in the clinch by Lipsky, because Lipsky has got good Muay Thai in her own right, if she winds up getting outworked by Lipsky in the clinch, I think the takedown is there for, for Shevchenko, too. I think it's an option for her to take it to the mat. And while while Lipsky was able to pull out the submission on Luana, Luana Carolina, Shevchenko is a lot more polished on the ground than Luana Carolina. So... I think you're going to see Shevchenko here winning in the clinch. And if she doesn't win in the clinch, she's got other options. So for that reason, I'm taking her by decision. Who do you got in this one and how you got him? I I got got, uh, Shevchenko by decision too. I think that, you know, as as silly as it sounds in a way, but I think that, you know, there's extra pressure here with, you know, her her sister competing on the same card. They obviously do training camps together. You know, we see the dances in, in, you know, the the pre-fight workouts and all that stuff. But this time they're on the same card. I think they're both going to look to make statement wins. You know, I think it'll be a big night for the Shevchenkos. Absolutely. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Alan Joban versus Jared Gooden. Joban, one in three, coming off the split decision loss to Dwight Grant. But that was 20 months ago. It's going to be 20 months since he last competed. He had ACL surgery in that time, hand surgery, all kinds of things going on with Alan Joban. He's going to be facing a tough newcomer in 16-4, and Jared Gooden, who was supposed to fight Dwight Grant all the way back in August, but he pulled out due to an injury. So, so I guess my question here is for, for you about Joban. He's 37 years old. He's je- definitely hitting the tail end of his career. He's coming off that kind of lackluster split decision loss. What's your game plan for him here if he's going to take out the newbie? Yeah, uh, you know, this is a, this is this was the hardest fight to look at and kind of um, pick apart. You know, um, you know, and the odds say it too. The odds have it essentially at a pick 'em. Joe Ben's minus one fifteen. Um, Gooden's minus one hundred five. Joe Ben's thirty uh, thirty seven or thirty eight old. Um, I think he's thir- turning thirty eight at the end of the month. Um, you know, he's he's been in the UFC since two thousand fourteen. You know, he's fought guys like Gunnar Nelson, Nico Price, Mike Perry, you know, Dwight Grant, like you said, um, you know, and, and, you know, this is his first fight in over a year. He lost a split decision to Dwight Grant. It's, it, it, it's, this is a tough fight to pick apart. You know, uh, it's good. In, uh, UFC debut is it, good in a, a Jackson Wink prodigy or did I, did I read that somewhere? I, I'm not a hundred percent certain. I'll put the intern on that as you, as you continue to break this one down. Yeah. I, I can't, I, but, but, yeah, he's on a three-fight win streak. You know, he, he fought a Titan FC. He's fought an LFA. I think that stuff matters when you fight at those bigger um, local promotions. Like that. He's got plenty of finishes. You know, I think Joe Van needs to take this into deep waters. If, if this You know, he's got the veteran savviness. He's got all of that. Um, and I think he has to use that to his advantage. The fight IQ has to come into play here because um, I think if Gooden starts feeling good early, then it may be a short night for Joe Van. So I, I definitely agree with you, too. I also think for Joe Van – Putting the foot on the gas pedal a little bit is going to be a big piece for him. Is that like in that fight with Dwight Grant, he sort of let Dwight Grant get settled. And the, the thing about Alan Joban that I really have loved his whole career is that his, his striking is flashing, his striking is good, and it's fast. And when he's putting the pressure on, it's a hard pace for other people to keep up on. And, and to me, when I look at good in striking, it's powerful, but it's not particularly fast. Um, also, the intern got back to me. He fights at X3 in, in Georgia, so he, he might have stopped at Jaskin Wink, but that is not his permanent home. Um, but regardless, but, but regardless, you know, I, I think Alan Joban here, if we see that old Alan Joban with the snappy kicks, moving forward, pressuring, 
I think he wins this easily, but then, you know, we're at the end of breaking this one down. I got to get your prediction. Do we see that Alan Joban? That's the question. You know, I think Joban, you know, especially, you know, as he's 38 years old, has been a, you know, two-sided fighter. You know, when we see that, and I, I hope to see it, you know, because he's been off for, like you said, 20 months. I hope to see it, and I think we will see it, and I think he wins in decision. But, you know, that's the question. Do we see it? Yeah, and, and it's a huge question, but I'm going to say we do see it, and I'm actually going to take him by stoppage here. I, I think Dwight, uh, Jared Gooden rather takes a few too many shots, and he hasn't faced anybody who can throw like Alan Joban yet. So I'm going to take him by stoppage, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the last three fights. All right, guys, just listen to what subscribers are saying about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. This comes from subscriber George, who says some very nice things about AJ. Listen to this. I've been following AJ for several months, and he is ultra impressive. But honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons I follow. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups are what impressed me the most because it can be hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in this fight game. But AJ seems to be really able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. And we could not agree more with George here at the Prelim Primer. He comes highly recommended in our book. And we think you'll like him too if you check him out at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Joaquin Buckley versus Jordan Wright. Buckley, of course, got knocked out by Kevin Holland in his debut, but followed that out with maybe one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history over Impa Kasangane. Wright, meanwhile, won his debut by cutting open Ike Villanueva. It, it was at light heavyweight. It was really weird because it was a it was just a stoppage. He didn't land really flush. It was just a slicing elbow. So, so we got kind of weird mixing things. We got a guy coming off a crazy highlight, a guy coming off of this confusing stoppage. Right, though, if you watched him all the way back in the Contender Series, he's a flashy striker, too. But my question is, should he try to use the flashy stuff against somebody like Joaquin Buckley? I'm not so sure. I mean, you know, obviously we saw Kevin Holland was able to, you know, make it work in his favor. But then, you know, when you, when you saw Impa, we saw, you know, one of the greatest not greatest, flashiest, whatever word you want to use, knockouts of the year. I mean, that was insane. Um, you know, so so it's very it's very interesting when you're watching the tape on on you know a guy like Buckley. Um, I will say, you know, going back and throughout his career, you know, he's fought in Bellator, he's fought at LFA, he's fought guys like Logan Storley, he's fought guys like Vinicius De Jesus. He has fought some tough tough competition in his come up. You know, Justin Patterson, some very very harsh competition, um, which which I think works in his favor now that he is here in the UFC. Um, you know, right. Right is with Jackson Wink MMA, you know, so obviously he's got that going for him. You know, like you said, he had the first round stoppage via kind of a weird cut, um, you know, at a different weight than he's used to, than we're used to seeing him at. You know, he has six KOs, five submissions. You know, he's only one time been into the second round. So something I think is interesting here is if Buckley kind of plays it, not, I don't want to say safe, and, you know, but, but tries to take this into that second and third round and then start hammering away. Because we haven't really seen Wright go into those into those deep waters. Like I said, he's only been in the second round once, and he finished it in the second round. Um, you know, so does Buckley play it a little safe in the first round? Kind of, you know, 
uses range, all of that stuff. And then we see him to the second round and suddenly we see that KOV or type stuff from Buckley. I think that that is not only a perfect game plan, but I also think it's highly probable because while, while we're talking about Buckley having this like highlight real KO and being super flashy, if you actually look back to a lot of his fights, including the one against Kevin Holland, he, he's pretty pretty straightforward with his striking. He does not get real crazy all the time. That's not his MO. He, he He's pretty composed. And, and like you said, a lot of that it comes from having high-level experience against guys like Logan Storley and Vinicius Dejus. So, like, I, I actually think here you're going to see Buckley do exactly that. I'm going to take him by second or third round knockout here. How about you? I think I also think third round knockout. I think that, you know, um, he's going to play it a little safe um, in the first round and maybe even into the second round. And then I think he's going to start hammering away. And, you know, that's when right cardio and stuff comes into question. Obviously, we haven't seen it, so so we have to question it, you know, until we see him go into that third round and go into those decisions. Um, you know, knockouts are great, but sometimes it's good to have one of those unanimous decisions on your record to kind of show, hey, I can go this to the distance too and, you know, show your opponents that you have the cardio to take it. So I think Buckley's going to test that and we'll see what Jordan Wright brings, but I have uh, I have Buckley by third round, either KO, you know, stoppage. All right. And that brings us to Kyle Dawkins versus Dustin Stoltfoots. So Dawkins took a decision loss to Brandon Allen in his June debut. Stoltfoots, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, 13-1 and making his debut, coming off of a, again, a really weird KO on the Contender Series back in August where he slammed his opponent and his, the guy's elbow came clean out of joint. Real gnarly looking stuff. So obviously we didn't get to see much from him, right? As a result, what do you know about him that the fans should really know here? Um, I think, you know, like like you just said, that that's a big thing. And I think that people forget that, you know, you look back and you look at, you know, the win looks like a first round, you know, stoppage looks like the first round TKO, whatever, um, you know, via arm injury. But, you know, we didn't really get to see much. Um, you know, we know he's got a great wrestling background. We know he can we can he can strike. We've seen his striking, um, you know, he he. But with that injury to Joseph Pfeiffer, you know, he it's a freak injury, right? We, we didn't see him cause it in a way, you know, and again, I don't want to take the win away from him. You know, it's not like he, you know, um, you know, should be penalized for that, but you know, we haven't seen a ton, but his grappling is unreal. You know, you remember Bryce Mitchell with the, with the, you know, first ever twister in the UFC. Well, um, Solstice has a twister, you know, back in 2019 um, at GMC. And, you know, he has plenty of guillotine chokes, he has an arm triangle, knee bar, you know, he has plenty of, um, you know, his, his grappling is, is, is super. And, you know, as is Doskus. And, and, you know, I actually think, you know, uh, Kyle is a, is a, a minus two twenty five favorite in this. And I actually think because, you know, we, Doc, it's always has five darts chokes. He has eight submission wins, you know, he was actually six and four as an amateur and now nine and one as a pro, which I find super interesting. Um, but I think this is a sneaky, bet where you put a decision down because we've seen it so many times when two high level grapplers go to the ground, they're both so educated in what's coming and, and, you know, where, where the transitions are and what they should be doing that, you know, we see these go to decision more often than not. So, you know, if you're a better, I, I think that, you know, both these guys for a submission one will be minus money or, or barely underdog money. You know, I think you could have a big, big underdog money at, um, you know, one of these guys by decision. Um, that's what I think. I agree entirely, and I'm actually going to take Stolfoots in this fight for that reason, right? Like, if this goes to the ground, they're both heavily educated in the ground game, and we know Dustin is going to be the one with the position, right? Like, Dawkins, as much as I love his submission game, I love his Dara's chokes, I love everything he does, 
he just doesn't have the wrestling mate that Stoltfoots does. And, and as a result, if that does go to decision, I think it really, really heavily weighs on 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 uh, Dawkins because he, he needs that finish then because he's going to be in bad position. So I'm going to take Stoltfoots by decision here. How about you? I, I like I like that thinking. I think this is a fight that goes to decision. I just think they're both too too educated on the ground to kind of sneak away with you know a twister or, or a dart choke. Those are things that you know they're going to see coming. And so I do think decision. And I agree with you. I think Stolzfus has an advantage if it does go to decision. I think that you know he can out outpower out wrestle um, a guy like Doskus. All right, and that brings us to our last fight, which is Louis Koske versus Sasha Politnikov. Both guys making their debut. Koski 7-0, coming off that knockout of Victor Reyna back in the contender series in August. Politnikov, meanwhile, last one at UAE Warriors by knockout. He also has a bout against Mornier Lezez, who's a, a flashy striker in the UFC now. He lost that fight, though, um, back again in UAE Warriors. So the question here, Politnikov, definitely a fun striker in his own right. But I got to imagine here, Kosuke is just going to come through and bull rush him. Do you see any other way that this fight could go? I, I, I really don't. I mean, Kosuke, you know, has all first round finishes. He, you know, we saw it in Contender Series. He is just a, a, an absolute tank. Um, you know, um, Plitnikov has has, like you said, some some good fights. But also, you know, you look back and he has a couple of wins over guys that are two and two you know, one and three, one and oh, you know, so not the greatest of competition. I don't, I don't like saying that because, you know, but, but, you know, Kosuke, he's younger, he's, he's flashy. He's, you know, just his brother was supposed to be on this card with him. Like, it's just, I just feel like everything points to him with a huge, huge first round uh, KO and, you know, a big statement win. you know, a fight for a bonus on this card. Yeah, I, I see him. I'm going to go the same exact thing. I'm going to go first round KO. Uh, I see him probably doing it by either stunning him on the feet and finishing up, or I could see a big slam and some ground and pound following that up too. Because like like you said, he's just a tank and he's going to move forward and get what he needs. And that's going to do it for the end of our seventh fight and our third round. We hope you guys learned something and we hope you guys uh, enjoy these prelims because they are actually pretty fun on this pay-per-view card that people are complaining about the main event. So uh, once again, I want to thank my co-host from Cage Side Press, Joe McDonough. Joe, thanks so much for the time, man. Absolutely. I love, I love doing this. I love looking at the prelims fights. You know, th those are where the, uh, the, you know, the fun begins. And, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to uh, coming back again.